that drummer guy. Ten years of real, not clickbait interviews from somebody who actually cares about music. What the world needs more of. It's a testament to you and your dedication and commitment. That drummer guy. This guy consumes more music in one year than most of us could hope to in a lifetime. The list of names he interviews is insane, and each one seems to be better than the last. You've introduced me to so much new music, and I appreciate you so much. You're that bad drummer guy. I need another beer. Hey everybody, this is That Drummer Guy, and I'm here with episode 421 of my show as That Drummer Guy. This week I got plenty to talk about, and I also have a brand new interview with the band The 500, which will be coming up right after this little spiel I got going on, plus a story I really gotta get into. And let's get into that right now. In my fourth or fifth cousin's movie, Tommy Boy, I'm going to change this into how it fits for me instead of Chris Farley. And yes, I'm not making that up. He's either my fourth or fifth cousin. Let me tell you why I suck at what I do. Last night, well, I should say Saturday night, I am recording this on Sunday night. But last night, I felt so amped, you could say, to record the show. I had some ideas in my mind and I wanted to get it, I wanted to get everything done. But for some people, they may not know about this, but my eyes are shitty. Like bubbles from trailer park boys shitty and while i was trying to put together a playlist for the show i accidentally made a few moves that were very very fucking stupid and i lost all of my music from zero through nine and a through am Thankfully, I was able to catch it at some part, so I didn't lose the rest of my catalog. But yes, I am stupid. My eyes were bothering me all day yesterday. They still are today. It happens every time that allergies rise up. It can happen sometimes with having diabetes. And I've actually had to go in and get several shots in my eyes, which I gotta say, getting shots in your eyes is one of the scariest things that can happen. Why? Because with everything else, everything else in the world, you can close your eyes and pretend it's not happening. No matter how excruciating the pain is, no matter the velocity of a fall, no matter the feelings that are going on around your body, you know, water, fire, whatever. When it comes to eyeball gore, you have to see it. There's no way out of it. They prop your eyes open. Your eyelids cannot move. They stab you in the eye. They inject things. They pull out. And thankfully you don't bleed. But that doesn't make it any less scary. And my eyes have been terrible since I was a little kid. I remember, you know, when I was trying to register for preschool and kindergarten. I actually passed the kindergarten screening to be able to get into school. And everything was good there. Which is so funny because throughout my life up until probably junior high, middle school, whatever you want to call it, they tested me thoroughly to make sure that I wasn't autistic. And no matter what was going on physically or mentally, I'm still above the autistic mark, but this is also small town Wisconsin, bar of autistic, so maybe I do got some stuff going on. Not trying to joke about it, in fact, I think it would make a lot of sense for a lot of things that have been going on with me especially over the years. But the reason I bring up the kindergarten screening is, is I passed it with flying colors. But when I got to the classroom, I could not see. I could not see the chalkboard. Yes, they were actual chalkboards and 
those days. It wasn't until I went to high school that I actually saw a whiteboard actually used in class for the first time, and everything was blurry to me. I could not see anything. And I went to the optometrist, or the eye doctor, whatever you want to call it, and basically I was blind as a bad, especially in my left eye. I have astigmatism in both eyes, which means that there's a lot of crap in your eyes that prevents you from being able to see right. A lot of things I wish that surgical means would be able to get rid of, but we're not there yet. So every year, my eyes get a little shittier, and it really, really sucks. For many, many years, thanks to the American healthcare system, I was not able to get a pair of glasses, and my eyes continued to keep getting worse and worse and worse. In fact, I wasn't able to get a new pair of glasses in a decade, because I was able to get a new pair when I was 18, I believe, and then for a whole decade, wasn't able to get a pair of glasses. Just Wisconsin bullshit, American healthcare bullshit, just so many things. Oh, you already have a pair of glasses. You can see just fine. Oh, you can drive a car just fine. And everything's just pretty much fucking terrible from that. So, needless to say, when my eyes were shitty yesterday, even though I had every means in the world to not have to record the show and just wait for now to be able to record the show, just keep those ideas in mind, I shouldn't have gotten on the computer because I fuck things up pretty bad on my end and but thankfully I still have a lot of my music but the other part of this is what's very intriguing to me the fact that say 10 years ago like 2010 2011 2012 losing the amount of music that I did would have killed me I my heart and soul would have been completely shattered and crushed beyond dust like losing that many gigabytes of music losing everything that you built up from promos to buying albums you know with whether you're getting, buying them online, whether you're buying them at shows, whether you're buying them back in where places had music, back in places where music still exists. All of that are m memories that really come with me. And the fact that I would have lost so much of that just would have tore me apart. But now we live in 2021. And the great thing about 2021 is almost every single album that I missed out on that I no longer have in my collection is available on Spotify. Yeah. There's only a few minute exceptions when it comes to that, be it like local bands or really, really rare albums or something like that. Otherwise, everything is up on Spotify. If I could think of the band right now, it's up there. It's really crazy to think about how much we've really advanced. I mean, when you look at 2000, 2001 with the whole Napster thing that was going on, you know, Metallica was getting really pissed off that I disappear was leaked onto the internet, but it was such a crappy, crappy, crappy quality version of it, but it didn't matter because it was a brand new song. But you know, that good old 32 up to like 128 kilobytes, like at max, that sounded pristine back in the day with 128 kilobytes. And it's when you look back at it now and you listen to anything that's in 128, it sounds fucking awful. Maybe I'm getting my head up my ass a little bit too much about audio quality, but 128 kilobytes is awful. But you look at the last, 20, 21 years, and we went from CDs to MP3s to just streaming. As long as you got internet access or you downloaded songs off your streaming sites, I know Spotify, for example, lets you download some songs. So if you're out of range from Wi-Fi or you're away from your computer, whatever the case is, you can still listen to those particular songs as long as you have a membership. So I don't feel nearly as bad as I used to. And that's just so strange to me. I mean, I've been a die-hard CD MP3 guy 
my, my whole life. Like when it comes to vinyl, I don't listen to vinyl, but I love vinyl album covers. The album covers for vinyl cannot be topped outside of like getting a wall hanger or tapestry or seeing the gigantic wall hangers that they use at shows. You know, like if Maiden has a new album, they'll have like a giant background that shows the album cover or many other bands do that as well too. But I never really cared about the quality of vinyl. And, you know, truth be told, vinyl sounds just like MP3 to me. It's a high-quality MP3. And if you got a high-quality MP3, you'd have no need for that vinyl, other than to have the physical version of it and the album artwork looks far, far superior in your hands than it does in a little thumbnail. I mean, that goes without saying. And you know cassettes? I was never big on cassettes. You know, just like with vinyl, you know, they degrade so fast, so easily, just from playing it. It's like that first time you get that first real experience, then every single time it starts to dilute and dilute and dilute. Apparently CDs can do that as well too, I don't really know the technology behind that, and I've even heard that MP3s can do that as well, too, although I think there's a little more that goes into it than just playing the song. I'm a little confused by that, but, you know, that's that's really above my pay grade. But now with streaming, if you, like, pay your 10 bucks a month to, like, Spotify, or if you're using Tidal, if you're using Apple Music, YouTube, whatever the case is, as long as you pay your membership, you can get top quality sounding music. All of it. Almost everything that's ever been in the world, you can get on the internet now for free some of it's by illegal means of course you know some people still love doing that they love ruining the experience instead of just that excitement for record release day where you finally get to hear it there are those terrible people that leak the album early and of course you know some websites they get to go ahead and be able to stream the album from their website like a week maybe maybe two weeks ahead of time and of course you got things like Bandcamp now where you can pretty much sample all the songs for free. Everything that's on Bandcamp for free. You don't even have to buy it if you don't want to. It's just so crazy thinking about that in the world of technology when it comes to music. And, you know, it's like music's really been taken for granted when it comes to that, too. And, you know, in a situation like mine, I'm not happy about what happened. I really, really don't like that I lost so much music that... I was able to build up on when it comes to getting promos from labels, whether they be physical or digital, buying stuff, like when I was buying stuff all the way from like Walmart, Target, Best Buy, Sam Cudi, On Cue, so many different things, so many different places, being able to buy albums at shows. You know, sometimes being able to go into a used record store and being able to pick stuff up there. I mean, there's so many different means. And it's all great. And there's still places where you can do all of that. But the fact that, you know, someone like me in my position right now, instead of being so hurt about losing all of that, I can just go on Spotify and listen to that particular band. Because I have my membership. I mainly got a Spotify membership, not because I'm trying to replace my MP3s, but because I love listening to music when I'm playing my PS5. And I love being able to listen to podcasts, I love being able to listen to music, get to curate my own playlist. I mean, if you haven't figured out by now how much I love to curate playlists, then I do not know what to tell you. But that's where my bread and butter is. I love being able to show off new music, and I love putting things together to put me into a better stream of consciousness, if you will. And when you have that at your fingertips, it's so easy to take advantage of it and to take it for granted. And you never know, one day it could just disappear just like that. But on the other hand, it's such a great day-to-day -day thing to have. So I guess just from thinking about all of this, whether you love to collect physical media, whether you love to collect digital media, whether you just like to 
to stream, whatever the case is. I mean, you could be streaming the show right now on your favorite platform. You could have downloaded it so you can listen to it that way. Like, maybe you downloaded this show and you're listening to it on iTunes right now. Regardless of any of that, just don't take music for granted because when we put everything into technology and then all of a sudden that technology gets taken away from us, be it from the business side of things or... You know, we really, really go into the dark ages and there's no technology left that works. It's all going to be gone. And you're not going to have that CD player or vinyl player or cassette player. You're just going to have the memories. For some people, that's enough. But for others, they need to have that music in their life. That's why live music is so important, too. Which I'm going to be getting to after this interview I got coming up right now. And, of course, that interview is with Mark Byrne of the band The 500. To talk about their brand new album, A World on Fire, which is available now. Now it's over a month long. It's been out on Long Branch Records. In this interview, we do talk about the music, we do go into songwriting, we do that kind of stuff. But, we mainly focus on the state of the world right now. We focus on how we're dealing with what's going on in the world right now when it comes to the pandemic, and how people are battling each other over opinions, not trusting anybody anymore. You know, we we go into a lot of different things here, and no matter what side of the equation that you think you're on... And if you haven't figured it out by now, I'm very left. I'm very much of the democratic socialist and, yeah, some Marxist in me as well, too. I just want to see everyone survive. It doesn't need to be survival of the fittest anymore. We're above that, if we try to be. And most of us are, but enough aren't. And that's the problem. But I don't want to turn this into a whole political show, especially since we cover so much ground in this interview, but it's just two guys talking to each other for the first time, really understanding each other. And one other note I gotta really preface this with is this is probably the most calm interview I've ever done. And by that I mean like every time that I'm doing an interview, I'm scared shitless. I'm scared every single time because I'm scared that things aren't going to happen either. I'm gonna get ghosted, the electricity will go out, Uh, in this case with like Zoom, like a Zoom invitation didn't work or... If I click on the name, it's not going to register. Like, all of these thoughts are constantly in my head, and, you know, a lot of that comes with mental illness, which we do also cover in this interview as well. I just worry about everything that could go wrong. But once I hit record and everything starts going and we introduce each other, introduce to each other anyways, I eventually start to calm down. I mean, I get a little bit of fire and stuff that's going on with me most of the time, but this one, from, like, start to finish, it was just smooth. I just felt so calm, cool, collected, and we saw things like completely eye to eye. Maybe there's some differences, but if there is, like, it did not take away from the conversation at all, and we were able to understand each other completely. And we can really relate to it, even though there's an ocean and much man last between each other. And it just goes to show that people just are people. I mean, there's a lot of political things that have gotten in the way, and trust me, I've done more than my fair share of getting rid of people that I don't see eye to eye with when it comes to certain political things, when it comes to certain scientific things blah 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 but if you can understand each other you know it's just like hey let's take care of each other so all of us can survive and live as long as we can that alone is able to build up so much and you're able to enjoy a conversation that much more and just show that you don't need to be an introvert all the time even though I've 
I went from like being completely introverted due to childhood trauma to becoming an extrovert and going to every single show I possibly could, trying to talk to every single band I could, to now over the years, and especially with the pandemic, becoming more introverted back again. But when I get to do interviews and we just see eye to eye, we're able to have that great conversation, there's no greater feeling than that. And I totally think you're going to see that in this interview. My interview with Mark Byrne of The 500. Hello? Hello? Hey, Josh. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time to do this interview. Likewise. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time. Absolutely. What time I'm is it over there? Oh, sorry? What time are you on over there? Uh, it's uh, 11.32 a.m. There you go. You're, you're walking up then. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, um, again, uh, thank you very much for uh, taking the time to do this interview. It's uh, great to be able to talk to you and talk about this amazing new album that's been out for just about a month now with A World on Fire. And it's great to see the reception that I've seen for it so far. It's such a, an amazing concept, and I love where the band's going with this. And it's just it's great to see that the album did come out in the light of day in 2021 that's awesome thank you so much really kind words yeah we're really proud of it um we we always thought that we had something special in the can um but releasing it and seeing the reception that it's had is just mind-blowing and it seemed quite lucky that we released it when it's been released um just as in our part of the world things are starting to open up again and we're starting to see the return of live shows so it's just great timing and we're just super stoked to tour with it yeah, that is such a great thing to see that too. And, you know, hopefully with uh, more of the shows and festivals and everything that's going on, you know, having these songs being able to be played in that live setting, because this is such a great album to listen to as a record, you know, from start to finish, you know, just an amazing concept, the way it should be heard. But being able to hear these songs in that live setting is going to be incredible. Yeah, we always pride ourselves on our live sound. You know, we always say that if you like our record, come check us out live because we're a completely de- different animal when it comes to playing live. Um, we are firm believers in that music is meant to be heard live, not just on your stereo. So if you're, we're playing a show near you, please do come down and experience it for yourself. Oh, absolutely. So with that in mind, I mean, obviously with um, uh, the debut album getting such great traction and now seeing where you guys are at now with this album, I mean, how do you, I mean, how are you guys handling it right now with like uh, the progression of the band and like seeing the popularity of the band rise? It's, it's a, it's a strange one. Cause you know, re- writing and recording an album in the middle of a pandemic when everything else is just like closed their doors and everyone's shut away from the rest of the world was quite a odd experience. You know, you're almost like writing just to get all that shit out, you know, all that negative feeling, all that, you know, weird situation we were all in. And then for the world to start opening up again and uh, being able to play live and see the reception is just quite mind blowing. We played our first show, uh, our album launch, first show in 18 months. And uh, woke up the next morning with a bad head and thinking, you know, was that like a fever dream? Like, did, did that actually happen? Did we have a show with a full house of people, um, you know, going nuts at our music? And yeah, it happened. And uh, we, we just it just feels like a just feels like a dream right now to be able to to tour with it and to have that reception and and from the fans, from press, and being able to just play live shows again. It's just absolutely mind blowing. Oh it yeah, it's just like like uh, we're we're on just in this fever dream for the next few months 
<laughs> oh yeah. And I can totally imagine when you first got on the stage and you just started in with the very first note and just like knowing that there's a crowd in front of you, you're not just in a rehearsal space. You're not just at home practicing. Like you're actually playing a live show again for the first time in a year and a half. And, you know, knowing that people are enjoying the music that you're making and they didn't forget about you and they've been waiting to see you. Uh, you, you know, it's just like as a musician, that's that's one of the greatest feelings you can have is when you go to a show and know that the people are there to see you. It is indeed. It's the greatest feeling in the world. I would say it's better than any drug, better than any high. It's just being on stage, playing music and, you know, getting that absolute rush. Um, and especially after being locked away for so long, you know, just going back to that, it just feels like we can never take anything for granted. You know, it could all be taken away from us like that. So just got to enjoy every minute. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, uh, kind of referencing back to the album as well, too, you know, just like uh, seeing where you guys are at right now, you know, the progression of the band uh, since the debut album and just like seeing the anger that's really coming through on this album, but also that positivity as well, too. It's like I really love how you guys are able to manage all of these different kinds of emotions that can happen, but it also has that great positive spin on it as well too because there's a lot of people that can go through so many of the things that are talked about between these albums and knowing that other people are going through them and other people are able to get out on the other side of it when it comes to like vices or anything like that it's such a great thing to see thanks yeah i, I really appreciate that uh, at, the, at, the, at the time we started writing lyrics for the album in uh, summer 2020 it was a really bleak time you know not, not just the pandemic but you know, fires were raging across California, Australia, Southern Europe, many other places. And at the same time, life as we knew it had been flipped upside down and torched in the dumpster fire. So in both a literal and figurative sense, our world was on fire. And that was a catalyst if we ever needed one. That's why we called the album World on Fire. It, it was a literal and figurative sense. Um, and we do want to convey that positivity as well, that it's not all bleak and it's not all doomed, that, there, you know, there is a way out if, we, if only you want to change it. So I'm appreciate that you picked it up on that. Oh, yeah. And I really felt like the album, especially like right now where things are kind of in that transition period where in some areas of the world, we're starting to get back in the lockdown and in other areas, it's starting to open back up. There's so many mixed feelings that are going on right now. And having an album that can really show off like uh, the anger of the world, but also uh, showing what's on the other side of that as well, too. I think it's really needed right now. Thanks. Yeah, I um I appreciate that. You know, it's uh, when I say that the pandemic sharpened our focus on on this topic. I think I, I think it's fair to say that it was definitely a factor. You know, um, we just felt that um um you know this environmental catastrophe that's coming our way will cause so many more deaths than COVID, and the solution will be far more complicated than just a shot in the arm. Um, so we all lost our shit during this pandemic, and but what's coming up next is so fucked up. We don't know. We won't know what hit us. Um. So we felt we wanted to write about it, and it's not just um, you know, it's not just negativity about it. We we want to put forward a positive message around it. You know, we normally we normally revel in ambiguity, and uh, we believe in leaving some room for interpretation. And um, spoon feeding our listeners has never really been our style, but for this record, we really felt we wanted to be blunt and direct. We wanted everybody to know what this is about. Yeah, and I really think it worked out in in that way as well too. I mean, with I mean. 
with everything that's talked about and everything that we're going through right now, I mean, I think we really need those uh, blunt reasoning that's going on right now because there is so much uh, ambiguity that's going on within the world right now. I mean, there's so many people that seem to be lost or not listening to reason or not trusting other people. So when you do have like those blunt answers that are going on, I think that is very beneficial. Thanks. Yeah, I, I, I'm in complete agreement with you, and I'm glad you said that. You know, um, and and you you mentioned um, the word trust there. You mentioned that people are feeling lost and they don't know what to believe. Um, it's it's a very scary time for for a lot of people out there. So I can totally empathize with that. Oh, for sure. So you know, thinking about that as well too. I mean, obviously we're still in the midst of it, but we hopefully we're getting to see the other side of what's going on right now. But you know, like when you're in the midst of writing like this, when you're not in writing mode, like how have you been like during this pandemic? Like, uh, has obviously I gotta imagine that uh, songwriting has been able to help so much and be very cathartic. But how is it on the other side of that too? Like um, when you're not writing, how are you holding up? It's tough. You know, I spent most of the pandemic, um, you know, just locked up at home on my own. And, uh, you know, I'm not a person that deals very well with uh, with isolation. You know, I'm very much an extrovert. I like to be around people. I like to be socializing. I like to be having a party with people and surrounded by the people you love. So it was tough. Um, and, you know, you just got to focus on stuff that gets you through the day. Um, and music is one of them. Certainly, you know, there's good and bad ways to get through the day, but music is definitely a good one, you know, so having that duty, that obligation to write the album, because we, we booked ourselves into the studio before um, we wrote a single song and before this pandemic had hit. So we knew we were going to record the album on this day. And then all this happened and I thought, well, I'm just got to pull my finger out of my ass and do something because we've got the studio time booked. We can't let people down. We can't let the label down and fans down. So that kind of gave us a focus. Um, you know, to to put our heads out of our, our asses and, and, and do something positive during a really difficult time. Oh, for sure. And, you know, when you have like a goal that you are able to work on, you know, whether it's at home or in the rehearsal room or whatever the case is, when you're able to have a goal like that, like you being able to write songs, being able to get the structures down and then being ready to be able to uh, record an album like that. I mean, it really helps when you're feeling that isolation or something like that, when you're able to just get your mind off of any kind of loneliness or any kind of thoughts that can happen from the pandemic, when you're able to sit down and play, you know, it's just like, it's such a good distraction. And I got to imagine, you know, uh, like you said, not letting the people down, not letting the fans or the label or other bandmates down. I mean, having that uh, fire underneath you, knowing that you had time that you needed to get into the rehearsal room. I mean, th- did that help with creativity at all? Or did that feel like a setback? Or how was that? You, you mean being locked up? Creativity yeah. or? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a tough one, you know. Um, I, I always make a joke that, you know, um, it's really tough to be a great musician and to write a good album if you've never had a hard time in life. You know, if you've had an easy ride right from when you were born through to adulthood, it's really hard to write music that means something because, you know, I always feel that out of great pain comes great art. So um, definitely being locked up for all this time really spurred us on to write the best album that we could have written. And it is the best thing that we've ever released um, by far. Um, would it have been as good an album if we didn't go through that shitty period? I don't, I don't think so. I think if we've had a, we've, we've had a great year, 
um, you know, as society and as individuals and as a band, uh, our album wouldn't be half as powerful and half as hard-hitting as it is now. Yeah, that that is such a great point. And there is that essence of authenticity that really comes from when you, you feel vulnerable, when you're not having... Um, you know, everything going perfect when you haven't had hardships in life, when you're able to structure that in some kind of way, when it comes into art, that authenticity really comes through. And it, there's so many people that can relate to it. And that's why I relate to the album so much. I mean, what with uh, mental health struggles that I go through and just like seeing all the different ways that uh, people handle them, whether it's uh, different vices, whether it's isolation, whether it's a uh, more tragic means. I mean, there's so many different ways to be able to handle the hardships of of life, good and bad. And when you know, when you know other people are going through that too, and you make it an art, it really makes it cathartic for whoever's making it and for whoever is enjoying the art as well. Yeah. Thanks. Well, I, I really appreciate the openness and, 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 and the comments. Um, it's um, yeah. I mean, our, our debut album explored themes of addiction and mental health struggles, whilst this new record delved into you know, the looming environmental disaster as a whole. Um, so we, we always knew we wanted to write an album on the topic of environmental disaster and the impending apocalypse, but perhaps it wasn't a given that we'd write as a second album, but we would have done it at some point. Um, you know, it's always been a passionate and sensitive topic for us and myself especially. Um, but, you know, the way, the way that things worked out in the world, it just meant it felt like the right time. Like this is the moment that we're going to write this album. Oh, it really was the perfect time to be able to do it, too. I mean, it's just the perfect negative storm to be able to get everything out there. I mean, between, you know, so many groups fighting against each other, uh, people not agreeing with science and, you know, just like uh, using personal beliefs over science. And, in, oh, yeah. of course, uh, the, the overall world, too. I mean, when it comes to uh, pollution, when it comes to uh, destroying the... Uh, the environment that we have in the world, uh, getting rid of the fossil fuels and what's going to be happening after that. I mean, there's so many different aspects of what you can take and the destruction of what could be humankind and everything that's left on the earth. And, you know, again, just like I was saying before, you know, it's like when you can make something like that and know other people can be inspired by that, they feel the same way and it could change even just one person. I mean, that's such a great thing to be able to accomplish. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Th- thanks so much, man. It's um, I it's funny. One of the uh, one of the songs on the album, um, the warmth, deals with that particular topic that you just mentioned there, and that is when people, um, for some reason, they latch onto all the you know conspiracy theories and, like you said, the death of scientific expertise and the respect for that. You know, and why do people why do people latch onto those kind of ideas? You know, what 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 makes them believe that that nonsense? And during a time like where going through at the moment that's particularly relevant but also what's coming around the corner with environmental disaster you know you'll 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 get people that um you know i think people don't deal well with chaos they don't they don't deal well with the idea that this just this shit just jumped from a virus that jumped from a bat and infected humans and caused chaos they they don't like that idea they want to believe that it was created in a lab and that it's all a pan to by governments to fuck us over but you know but you got to try and get into that mindset. Why, why do people believe that crap? And it's the same with the topic of the record, you know, environmental disaster. You'll get the same people who claim to be experts in, in all this stuff and they're not. And they'll claim to be experts in climate change and the environment, you know, when it comes to its next. And, it, you know, I've always, always been fascinated by that. 
always been fascinated by conspiracy theories and, and why people believe the things that they do. Yeah, and it's such a, a deep rabbit hole that you can really go down too. And, you know, it's just like when people don't want to accept the answers that are right in front of them, the mind wants to be able to try to create something that they can find to be more tangible. Absolutely. But yeah, and, you know, it's just so funny over here in the States, like uh, the biggest things is either the government is trying to control you or the government doesn't care about you. It has to be one of those two things if you believe in those things, because you can't have it both ways where they want to control you and they don't care about you. I mean, because, exactly. like, yeah, it's just like it's it's so strange with how people go about that and they don't want to listen to other sides. They just want to believe what they think sounds right. So when it comes to conspiracies like that, and there's so many of them that are just growing every single day and it just leads the world into more chaos because people don't like I was mentioning before, it's like people don't trust people anymore. They don't trust sources anymore. They don't trust people who are, you know, specifically uh, spend their life trying to figure out these kinds of things. They just don't trust them anymore because they were told not to. You're right. You're right. I'm, I'm glad we're talking about this. It's a particular topic of mine that I'm particularly um, passionate about, you know, and uh, it, it, there's definitely a lack of trust people just don't know who to believe anymore and i can kind of empathize with that you know i used to get really angry with them now now i just feel sorry for them you know because it must be a really scary place to be to believe all that stuff oh absolutely and you know relating that into the music world i mean i'm seeing so many musicians that are falling to covid right now because they refuse to get a shot and they refuse to believe this is anything more than a flu or just a cough and just like seeing all these bad things that are happening just in the music world let alone the entire world you know it's just like it's it's so sad to see that too and it's hard not to have that anger with it but also like you mentioned you know just like uh, feeling sorry for them feeling sorry that they they can't comprehend that the life works this way that uh, viruses uh, latch on to people to try to survive just like we're trying to survive but we can also cause destruction when it comes to that as well too and a lot of people don't think about that when they're surviving and they just think about themselves rather than the great whole yeah that's a really good point you know it's a it's a really good point at the end of the day it's just an organism trying to survive and killing everything around it much in the same way that we are you know um, yeah, the, the the problem is the the fix to our solution. I guess it's going to be much uh, more complicated than a than a shot in the arm, unfortunately. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's and and like you said, it's going to be more than just a shot in the arm. And it, it, I mean, it's going to take like a whole global rethinking for that to be able to happen. And I don't think that's going to happen in any short amount of time or anything like that. I think it's going to take years upon years. And sadly, I, I personally believe it might be too late to be able to change a lot of things by the time that needs to be done. Yeah, it's very sad to hear, but it's, uh, it's hard to disagree with you. You know, it's, uh, I think we're in this for the long run. You know, it's been, what, like 18 months, two years now that we have to do this. Um, I think we're not out of the woods yet. It's going to go on and on for some time. we are just going to knuckle down and get together and work together to fix it. Very much. So, you know, thinking about that as well, too, I mean, obviously with uh, being able to, 
you know, survive through all this, being able to put out art that people are able to latch onto. I mean, do you see like a positive outcome to come out of this or are you feeling that negativity still? Like where are you personally right now? I, I think, I think so. I, I think um, out of every great tragedy, you know, when you come out the end, there's always the potential for humanity, for society um, to come out better. Yeah, we keep hearing this, this thing about, you know, build back better after all this is, has, has, has gone. You know, when I keep hearing about, you know, when we had the pandemic in 1920, the Spanish flu, that the next 10 years after that was just like, you know, life just got better for so many people so much quicker out of it. So I do see the positive side of it. I think that every every catastrophe, every every obstacle that you have gives you a chance to improve yourself. Um, and, you know, if, if, if you always had a good in life, then never really, it's, it's hard to better yourself because you've had the whole life put in front of you on a silver platter. Um, so I'm, I'm a firm believer. I try to keep positive out of what, you know, so that, what you said before was that, that negative um, storm. Uh, I, I try to keep positive throughout all of it and try to work on just bettering myself and refining our art. Um, if nothing else, if this shit goes on for another two years, we're just going to have to release another couple of great albums. I, I love that spin on it. And, you know, I think that can create great change in and of itself because when people are enjoying your music, whether they've been a fan since you started, whether they're just checking out the album now, uh, whether they're checking you out now just because of this interview, whatever the case is, and you're able to inspire people with those lyrics, you're able to inspire them with great music behind it. And, you know, hopefully when we get to that point, we're able to have more and more shows being able to see you guys live. I think even just those little sparks right there can create that positivity and change things for a positive way as well too it might be small but it should not be diminished at all i think so i think so it's um you know i i, I get it. it's not the same for everyone like when this thing hit us that um you know a lot of people found it really difficult but you just gotta keep your head above water and use it as a springboard for creativity to try and improve yourself something Latch on something. Just don't hit the drink and drugs too hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, especially when you do suffer through any kind of mental health things, you know, whether it's a addiction, whether it's a depression, anxiety, uh, so many different things. I mean, it can be so easy to latch on to those vices and, you know, the, the self-destructive things that can really come about it because you really don't know any other way to go about things. But when you are able to in any way able to see that there is more to life than uh, just trying to numb the pain with like, with like drugs and alcohol and whatever negative vices there are out there. You can see those beauties in the world right now, even if the, the world is going through so much negative turmoil, there is a lot of great things that sadly just aren't being talked about enough right now with people being able to help each other and um, you know, charity and so many great things that are, are going on out there and you know it's just like hopefully one day more people are able to see that and appreciate it and you know focus like anything that can go from uh going wrong with vices and being able to change that into a positive way yeah i couldn't agree more with your comments man and i'm glad you're so positive about it i just hope that everyone else can see it that way yeah and it you know it's taken a long time for me to be able to see that too and sometimes i still struggle with it myself, uh, battling uh, mental health stuff for the last couple decades and, you know, just like feeling so negative and having like a, 
um, honestly having suicidal thoughts in the past. And, you know, it's like, it's hard not to feel uh, the, the negativity that's going on in the world right now, especially the more that you go online and social media and you just see people battling with each other in comments and posting uh, links to things that may not even be true, but, and people just reading headlines and clickbaits and everything that's going on with that. You can see all of that turmoil. And sometimes it's just good to be able to step back and just try to focus that energy on what else is out there. You know, it's just like, because we are more than just what we're showing off online and just bickering with each other. And it has that way in the past. And I really hope that we can get there again in the future. Yeah, well, you know, it's thanks for sharing that, man. That's that's really open and honest of you. You know, um, and just the fact that we can talk about this in the way that we are means that we've come such a long way to 10, 20, 30 years ago. And I think that's something to be grateful for at the very least, you know, and that's something I think that that's one of the positives that's come out of all this mess is that this mess has made people lock themselves away, um, sometimes be you know, against their, their free will and has really made people um, want to reach out to each other and just check on them and say, you know, how are you doing? How, how are things with you? Um, and that heightened awareness, I think, can only be a positive thing. Yeah, I do as well, too. And, you know, it's it's only taken me within the last few years to really be open about these things because I've seen so many people that are struggling and I see so many like uh, negative things that happen, you know, whether they're dying of uh, drug addiction, whether they're committing suicide, whether these things are. Um, and it's because uh, mental health isn't taken nearly as seriously as it is physical health. So a lot of people just hide that, hide the problems that they have because they feel so ashamed, you know, rather than like a, someone having a broken arm and you have a cast where people can see what you're going through with, with that pain exactly. rather than being able to open up your mind and see everything that's going on with that. So, you know, it's just like the more people that are able to talk about the problems that they're going with, with, with addiction, with mental health struggles, with how they feel about the world, the more that it can convince others that they don't need to hide their feelings and they're able to like be honest with each other and hopefully not have to have a, a premature end just because they were afraid to reach out. Yeah, definitely agree with you, man. It's, um, you know, it's just because it's not physically visible doesn't mean it's happening. Like you say, we just got to talk about it more and surround yourself by people who are willing to listen. That's the key thing. Absolutely. And that's why I'm so happy that you guys tackle the issues that you do, whether it's uh, more on the inside or like on this album, being able to show the outside world and everything that's going on with it. And, you know, whether uh, the music is full of chaos, whether it's heavier, whether it's moodier, whether no, no matter where you go in the next direction with uh, the songwriting and everything that goes on, I'm, I can't wait to see where you guys are going to be going from here. But, you know, the fact that you guys do tackle what you do, I think it does open that conversation up, it, whether it's a little spark or a huge fire, depending on how much more momentum that you guys are able to get. I just love the fact that you tackle the issues that you do. You're able to put out such killer music behind those issues as well, too. And, you know, just like within the last half hour of us talking, you know, just being able to go back and forth, be honest about how we're feeling, you know, whether it's on the inside or the outside world and, you know, music in general. I mean, these are all things that should be talked about and, you know, enjoyed or trying to make better. And I, I thank you very much for taking the time to be able to talk to me about all of that. Oh, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. Some, some really deep and um, honest conversations there. 
and uh, not like a lot of the interviews I have to say you know so it's get stuff that really matters so um you know thank you for your time and thanks for sharing all your thoughts with me it's been a pleasure oh, oh absolutely and you know with that you know it's just like all of this is off the top of my head there's no script there's nothing i just love being able to have that stream of consciousness you know like a real conversation because yeah that means so much more than me reading off a script not actually listening to the answers that you give and just waiting to be able to ask the next question i will never enjoy that kind of stuff i love being able to have real conversations whether we're just talking about favorite bands or we're talking about real world issues like we've been talking about i mean being able to just have that real conversation means so much and yep. yeah again just like being able to talk about this talk about a great album from a great band it's been a great time great thank you so much i i, I feel it's mutual it's be great to just have an open chat and hopefully we can do it again sometime over a beer a show sometime Oh, I, I would love that uh, when you guys are able to make it over to the States or if I'm able to make it over to Europe or uh, the UK or, you know, you know, whatever the case is, or even just for the next album, you know, just like uh, being able to have that talk. I'm really looking forward to it. Same here. Thanks a lot, man. Look oh, not a problem. Uh, you have a great rest of the day. And you take care. You too. And welcome back to the show. You just got done hearing my interview with Mark Byrne, 100, talking about the brand new album, A World on Fire, which is available now everywhere you listen to music, but it is brought to you by Long Branch Records. Now, everything that I talked about in the first part of the show before the interview, that also lets me thinking that it's really good for me to actually record the show on Sunday night because there's so many things that tend to happen that I might miss out on if I do it on a Friday night or a Saturday night. If I do it right away and then I put it right up, it's as close to up to date as I can possibly be. And you know, with that, there's been a lot of sad things that have happened. Again, when it comes to the world, when it comes to the pandemic, and specifically talking about the music world, the entertainment world, we've lost more people and it's heartbreaking. You know, the first one that came around this time, Sunday night, well, it was sometime between Saturday nights and Monday morning. I don't remember the exact logistics, but Eric Wagner of the band's trouble and the skull passed away from COVID-19 and as sad as that fact is and it really does suck because he was such a huge inspiration in the doom metal worlds he had such a great voice he was a part of so many great projects along the way as well too his song with Dave Grohl in Probot My Tortured Soul is like possibly the standout track on that album and then I just gotta say right now, if you're a metal fan, seriously, go check out Probot, because Dave Grohl did put together some amazing musicians to be able to work with him, no matter if you like Crushing Conformity, if you like DRI, if you like Trouble, if you like Hank Diamond, if you like Sepultura, if you like Mortarhead, you're covered on this album. It covers so much hard hardcore rock, metal, from the guy that you know as the drummer of Nirvana and letters. Again, you gotta give musicians a little more credit than what they're best known for, and Probot's a great example of that, and since I'm talking about it, yes, I'll be throwing that track on to the playlist, which I'll be talking about at the end of the show, but again, when it comes to Eric Wagner, he was one of those stand-my-ground guys. He was not gonna get the vaccine, no matter what, and he put his foot down on the matter, and now we lost him, and it's really sad, 
for that fact because he was still playing shows people still loved him um my good friend carrie from the shows msr cast and metal geeks actually saw his last show before he passed all the way down in the houston area got a picture with him and everything and i know carrie didn't think that he was a anti-covid guy otherwise he wouldn't have gotten a picture with him and did all that stuff and that's what's really dangerous because there are so many things going on like that right now so many people that's like they say they're anti they got the vaccines, they might have forged some paperwork, but they're, they never took either shot. There's so many people out there that just refuse to do it just because of so many different things that, you know, like uh, we don't know the long-term effects as you're going ahead and smoking your cigarettes and chugging concoctions of conglomerates. Again, whole other subject, and you know, I'm guilty of sin when it comes to doing things you're not supposed to do, mainly food heard that that's my stomach and it sounds like a bass drum but we didn't need to lose eric wagner but we did and it fucking sucks and he's not even the only one that we've lost covid non-covid related i mean if you're into entertainment especially old school entertainment like mary tyler moore show we just lost her boss mr ed asner he just died today as i'm recording this and i believe he was either 91 or 92 without looking it up it's one of those two numbers 91 or 92 so you know he lived in a magnificent long life all things considered but it's still sad to see him go and again without looking this up just because i got this stream of consciousness going on with me right now the drummer of iron butterfly died today absolutely zero need for him to be gone but he's gone right now and that sucks as well if you're not familiar with iron butterfly you might be familiar with the song indicata de vida as it as it came out indicata de vida and the original ver 17 minute version of the song is one of the most well-known drum solos at the time and he just goes ballistic towards the end but he just like builds up to it it's like it's so simple in the beginning and then it just gets crazier and crazier and crazier and i imagine if you're on psychedelics at the time that just had to be like one of the greatest trips you could ever be on of course for simpsons fans like me you know it as in the garden of eden by iron butterfly but it just sucks to see him go too and i know there's other ones i'm missing right now too and again there's no reason for it there's no reason especially Especially when it comes to the COVID stuff that we have to lose these people. But another thing you really got to keep in mind, especially when it comes from the musician mind, when it comes from the artist mind, when it comes from being an outcast compared to the norm. Because being a rock and metal fan, like, it was really cool for a couple decades. But before it... And after it, people look at you weird. Like, they might respect you, but they're also wondering why you're not playing pop music or country music or being a rapper. Because that's the stuff that they listen to. You enjoy rock and metal. I enjoy rock and metal. That's why I cover so much of it on my show. Pretty much 99% of what I do covers all of that. But with that said, I know it's a smaller audience than it could be. And a lot of people deal with, like, that isolation, depression, feeling like a social outcast maybe they had terrible upbringings like i did maybe they've tried committing suicide like i have you know those things stick with you the rest of your life so a lot of vices come along the way with like drinking and pills and other drugs and other terrible vices that can come along the way and these things don't need to happen but they do happen and that is a sad reality of life is that we're all gonna go one day and we can just hope that
that we stay here as long as can. Although, for me, most days, I wish I was already gone. And I know that sounds really fucked up to say publicly, but I don't think there's anything wrong with admitting that, because a lot of people are hiding that in secrecy, how they don't want to be here anymore, and I am not in any way, shape, or form saying that you should take your life. I will never, ever say that. I'm just saying that having those feelings is more relatable than you can imagine. And I think it's important to talk about those things because if the less you feel alone when it comes to those things, the less you're gonna possibly feel like you wanna end it all. Because you realize that other people are going through pain too, and they could be people you admire, they could be brand new people you've never met before, it could be people that you just never knew that side of them before. But you respect them so much because they're still here. And I know people will respect you as well if you're honest and open about what you're going through, and you're still here. With all the trials and tribulations that go on with life, it can destroy you. Of course it can. I feel like it's destroyed me many times, but not completely because I'm still here. I'm still recording a show. I'm still taking breaths. As long as I got that, I still have the means to try to make life better, even if it's just in my own mind. And, you know, a lot of people have a lot of different objections or different views when it comes to that. With some people, you need to drink alcohol or do drugs or fuck everything you see, consensual or not. I mean, this, this comes along with vices and how bad they can be. You know, so many people do take it out that way, but it's about finding that healthy way to be able to get through. And honestly, a big part of that could just be talking out loud. It could be talking to yourself in the mirror. It could be doing what I do and just being honest and open about it here with the microphone right in front of me recording this or what I also do on my social media page on Facebook. I'm just honest about the feelings that I have and I'm not necessarily looking for like the answers of what to do because the answers are different for everybody. Sometimes it is medical. Sometimes you just need a lending ear. Sometimes you just need someone that can relate to you. Sometimes you just need to find a new passion in life or something new to happen that you can focus your attention on that is going to bring out positivity. It's different for everybody. But the important thing is to try to keep going and trying to do it in the best way you can because there's some things that will take your life away. Drugs, alcohol, not being vaccinated, whether you want to admit it or not. It's just really sad that we've lost so many musicians in the last year and a half from COVID alone. Not suicide, not cancer, not freak accidents, but just COVID. How much it's people. I mean, in America, it's over 600K right now, and I'm sure it's even higher than that. Much higher. It's hard to want to keep up because you feel so bad that it just keeps happening. You do your part, and it's still going on. But again, as terrible as life can be, there are positives out there, as long as you're willing to look for them. And that can be the biggest struggle of all, because when you're deep down in depression, you don't feel at all like you're able to find a way out of it, and you think death might be the only option when it doesn't have to be. Those are things that, even though it doesn't sound like it should be natural, it can be natural, but it's important not to act off getting rid of yourself, but to take those thoughts, try to spin it into a positive way, like knowing that you do need help in some way, that things should change, that you need to find some way to be better yourself. If you can do try to do that, you're already going in the right direction. Let the chips fall as they may because, you know, it's like no one has a perfect life as there's people out there that have so many advantages in some ways, but when you look at their disadvantages, if you hit that Achilles heel on them, they'll completely topple over. And we all have that. To be good to each other, to take care of each other, to respect each other, and to grow. And rather than just being so angry like I have in the last few posts, you know, just like basically saying, fuck everyone that's anti-vax, and I still feel that way. Like seriously, fuck you if you are anti-vax. It's just the anger 
The anger isn't good. So maybe just speaking a little bit more to the choir rather than the congregation sometimes is the right way to go because you think when you use that analogy that you want to preach to the congregation because they're the ones that are looking for salvation. The choir already knows. But depending on where you go, that choir is just as important as the preacher. And they both have equal parts, so if you work with each other, you might be able to win more people over with the congregation. So rather than trying to ram-jam your beliefs down people's throats to the point that it pisses them off, and they'll completely go the opposite direction just because of duress, and they just don't want to hear you talk about it anymore, sometimes you just gotta approach things a different way. And hopefully we can do that at some point, because things were going amazing at the beginning of the summer, at the end of spring, and now things are starting to fall and collapse again and I just really really hope that before more variants of COVID-19 come out there that we can get that we just don't have to worry about it anymore. Maybe we'll get there maybe we won't but just like with your mental health it's important to try. Alright, and uh, coming back now, I needed to take a break for a few minutes after that, so I hope you understand that this wasn't just one continuous thing going on. Not doing two takes, but just taking a few minute break in between. Because sometimes we just need to do that in life. Don't run 100%, 100% of the time. Slow down when you need to, take breaks when you need to. Continue to push forward, but know where your limits are. Try to strengthen them, but also just let yourself rest. But in speaking of, I definitely want to change things. With the last part of the show, before we get into the soundtrack, I want to do something that I've always wanted to do. And thence do some wrestling predictions. I was originally gonna do this with my old show Such Good Shit, but it never- it didn't last that long because, you know, it just seemed like there wasn't that kind of interest in there. And the reason I say there was not that kind of interest is- it's not because I was covering things that people didn't care about, it's just- it's so, so fucking hard to start over. You're already established for one thing. Like, your main thing may never be as big as your side project, or it could be the other way around where something started as a side project and becomes your main source. It all varies. It's different for everybody. But I always wanted to do wrestling pay-per-view predictions, give my thoughts on what I think could happen, potential storylines if you care about that stuff. So before we get into the soundtrack portion of the show where I go over the soundtrack for the show so the show can be on more platforms that you care about. But if you go to Spotify, you can listen to the music without hearing me jabber jaw and just listen to the music. I think it's the best of both worlds. I'm going to be talking about the upcoming AEW All Out 2021 in Chicago, Illinois, and I'm gonna be going in order of match card from what I've seen online. Not necessarily the order from top to bottom, or bottom to top, or left to right, up or down, whatever the case is. I'm just going by match order of what I see from this particular site that I'm looking at. And from what it looks like, it's their thoughts on what's gonna be the headliner all the way to the bottom. That's just my thoughts on how it's going, and yeah, I guess I kinda just got lost in my own head there. The way I'm gonna do this is talk about the match a little bit, give my thoughts, and what I would like to see come from it. You may agree, you might disagree, you might not give about wrestling in the slightest bit of a fuck, but maybe you're still intrigued hearing me talk about it. Anyways, let's begin. In what might be the main event, the top match of the card, is Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage for the AEW Championship. Kenny Omega has been losing all of his titles lately after being able to gain the AAA Mega Championship, the Impact Championship, the TNA Championship, and of course, the AEW Championship. Christian Cage is 
coming back into wrestling, hasn't lost a match yet, and actually took that Impact Championship away from Kenny Omega, and in that time also getting rid of the TNA title, which has been retired since. So Christian Cage might be the final, but this is for the AEW World Championship, and I am going with Kenny Omega. I'm going with Kenny because the story's not done yet with him, and it really leads into Hangman Adam Page coming back after, in real life, being there to be able to welcome his first child into the world. That's why he's taken some weeks off to be able to prep for that and being there for his wife and his new child, which other companies could potentially learn from that. But I really think that's going to happen at Full Gear, which would be the next AEW pay-per-view after this one. And I finally think that Hangman Adam Page is finally going to get the belt in November. But until then, I think Christian is going to lose this match, maybe due to some shady work from everyone on Kenny Omega's side. But I think it's going to be an amazing match, and I think there's going to be so many close calls. So that one wing angel is going to happen on Christian U3 in a match that everyone's going to be going gaga for, especially in Chicago. It's CM Punk versus Darby Allen. Not even a grudge match. It's just CM Punk's first match in seven years, and he wants to fight the new talents of the world. Not even the top talents of the world right now, you know, your Kenny Omegas, for example. He wants to take on the new talent, give them a spotlight, and see if he still has what it takes to be able to be in the ring with these type guys. And it's awesome to see that he is going after Darby Allen with this one. And of course, the legendary Sting is gonna be in Darby Allen's corner. I love seeing that combination of Darby Allen and Sting because they both wear the face paint, they're both dark, even though my first introduction into Sting was Surfer Sting all the way back in 92, 93, when I was just a wee little lad of three, four, five years old, and seeing him rocking out with the neon colors, the scorpion on his face, and of course, it's more of the crow Sting ever since, seven. But it's great to see that combination together. But of course, with CM Punk, I've never actually seen a CM Punk match, like you might have learned on last week's show. I've never seen one of his matches, so I have no idea what he can do in the ring. I've never gone back, I've, I just haven't watched the eras that I've missed, basically from 2001, the end of 2001 to 2016, when it comes to like WWE World. Just had no interest, still don't. And because of WWE practices, I have more of a reason not to look back. But when it comes to this particular match, I'm going with CM Punk. I'm going with CM Punk for a very good reason. It's his hometown show. It's his first one back in seven years. And Darby can afford to lose. You can't have CM Punk come back and do all these grand things that he's doing. Being there for the fans, giving out free ice cream bars, you know, just making this grand entrance back into the world of wrestling and lose his first match. Yeah, I whatever CM Punk's finisher is, that's what's going to be hit on Darby. And then one, two, three. Or tap out. I honestly don't know what his finisher is going to be coming up, but the finisher will be used and the match will be over. For the AEW Women's Championship, you got Britt Baker DMD versus Chris Statlander. This just seems to be a feud going on to kind of keep things going until Thunder Rosa comes back into the picture. I gotta assume after this, potentially into 2022, really coming back and really fighting for the title. But seriously, let's call a spade a spade here. The winner will be Britt Baker. She just won the title. She's huge. She's so over right now, even though she's a heel. Like in the women's division, she's like the face of the women's division in AEW. And she's just not gonna lose to Statlander. It's not gonna happen, at least not right now. Maybe down the road, but not for the title. Not at this point in time. So, once again, I think DMD, Dr. Britt Baker, will win. For the AEW Tag Team Championships in a steel cage, we got the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers. Last two, the last time that these two fought, it was in the Ladder of Death match at the first All Out. And that's still one of my favorite tag team matches ever. Seeing Canadian Destroyers off of ladders through tables, just seeing the crazy antics that they can do. Ray Phoenix of the Lucha Brothers is easily one of 
the best athletes in professional wrestling, and that's almost to a fault because he can get injured pretty easily, and it's really hard to put all of your ducks onto Ray Phoenix because he does get hurt so easily because of all the crazy stuff that he does, but that's also what makes it work. But in this particular match, I think the winners will be the Young Bucks. I mean, they have no reason to drop title right now. They're so over right now as heels. They're those perfect heels right now, and as much as I love the Lucha Brothers, although they're not my favorite tag team, my favorite tag team out there right now is the very underutilized, proud, and powerful, proud and powerful, my apologies, Santana and Ortiz. But when it comes to these two teams, it's just Young Bucks are gonna cheat some way in a steel cage, and they're gonna win. And the next team will come, probably come on. It could be Jurassic Express, it could be a new tag team that comes in. If it was up to me, it would be Santana and Ortiz, but the Young Bucks are not losing the titles in Chicago. In the final fight, it'll be Chris Jericho versus MJF, where this feud has been going on for almost two years now. I believe it was right after All Out 2019 that these two started working together, so this is meant to be the final blow-off. And if Jericho loses, he's done wrestling. He says he will never wrestle again, or however he does it. I can't really do a Jericho voice. I can do many voices, but not Jericho. I think this might be the last match for Chris Jericho, honestly. And I don't even think it's because of his age, even though he is 51 in WWE. He's just about to hit his prime. But he's got so many other things that are going on right now, whether it comes to Fozzie or just raising his kids. And I mean, he just had a fucking death match with Nick fucking Gage. What do you have left to accomplish if you can survive a death match with Nick Gage? A lot of people are trying to say that he's going to be going to WWE to wrestle again, where I know he'd be there with welcomed arms and they'd probably throw the title on him right away. But I don't think he really cares about that anymore. And I think he's going to be turning his attention to commentary. Word's been going out that after All Out that Jim Ross is going to be taking a break, and he's basically just going to be used for the bigger shows, the bigger matches, just the bigger stuff. And I think Chris Jericho would be the right kind of guy to be able to replace Jim Ross, where Jim Ross is very much of that old school commentary style that my generation, the, the generation above me, and potentially the generation below me really appreciate. But so many people nowadays, they really don't understand what the love for Jim Ross is, and that's why he keeps getting so much shit all the time. But Jericho just seems to be on all the time. Like, he can crack some of the best jokes. Wit is, can turn on the turn of a dime, whether he's trying to be a face, whether he's trying to be a heel. Whatever the case is, like, he's able to turn all those different directions and it works so good. And you take the politics of what he's, he and his wife are all about. I try not to think about those things, even though I brought it up. But I think he'd be really good on commentary. Really don't need the inner circle anymore, as, as it seems like Santana and Ortiz got their own thing going on. Jake Hager loves being in MMA, and, you know, he does wrestle occasionally in AEW. Sammy Guevara's got his his own thing going on right now. Like, the inner circle isn't really the inner circle right now anyways, so even if you go in that direction, you know, it's just like having the inner circle come back isn't really gonna mean as much anymore. So let the inner circle die. Let this be a match that Jericho can really be proud of to lose. And if it's what he wants, let him go into this new era of Jericho in commentary. Cause he is seriously one of the best on commentary. And AEW could really, really use a voice like in a match that I honestly think might be the best of the night, you have Andrade El Idolo, formerly known as Andrade in WWE, or Andrade Cien Olmos, if you're an NXT fan, versus Pac. And of course, you might know him better as Neville in NXT and WWE. But the bastard Pac versus Andrade El Idolo. These two are two of the top wrestlers going right now. And I really, really think that this could be a match of the night. It's one of those sleeper hits, one of those matches that is on, that's not really a grudge match, it's not really for 
for a title. I mean, they're building up a story, and I guess you could say there's a grudge that, like, started, but, I mean, it's not like a story that's been told for a long time or anything. I mean, it's relatively recent within, like, the last month or two. But I think it's just gonna be an overall great match, but I think the winner will be Andrade. I think it'll be Andrade because I don't think Pac minds losing as much as he does, and I do think he deserves more wins than he has. But much like I was talking about with CM Punk, Andrade was one of the biggest things to hit AEW when he got his release from WWE, wanted to go out and explore the wrestling world again. He went back to AAA, fought Kenny Omega for the Mega Championship, lost, but his future father-in-law, Ric Flair, did help him out with the match. And who knows, he might show up at All Out as well. But it's also like, it's the first pay-per-view match for Andrade, and they're building him up to be like one of the top heels this side of Malachi Black. They're not gonna have him lose. But I do think this is gonna be an incredible match. And if they make it a squash match, where it's just like over in a couple minutes, I'm gonna be very, very disappointed. And what's actually gonna be on the pre-show, or as AEW calls it, the buy-in, it'll be the Women's Casino Battle Royale for a title shot for the AEW Women's Championship. Now, here's the thing that's really hard with this. It it's hard to say because there's so many directions that could go into this, and, you know, AEW only has like a certain amount of women's wrestlers right now. Demic took away almost half of those because some of them live in Japan, known for that Yoshi style of wrestling. So it's kind of just focused on the American wrestlers or the wrestlers that live in America right now. There's been rumors that the former Ruby Riot's gonna be showing up. I have a really, really ugh, feeling that Tessa Blanchard might show up in this battle royal. If you're not familiar with the Casino Battle Royale, it's like a typical WWE Battle Royale, except people come out in fives. So it's for like every style in a card deck. You know, you got your spades, hearts, diamonds, and clovers. But there's a Joker who every single time that AEW has done a Casino Battle Royale for the women or the men, it's always been a brand new premiere. Now I'm very afraid that Tessa Blanchard's gonna be taking that. If you're not familiar with Tessa Blanchard, basically she's not easy to work with backstage and she's known for a lot of vile things. That's as far as I want to get into it. I'm afraid of that happening. I mean, it would be a huge name because Tessa Blanchard was like one of the biggest names outside of WWE and that would pull a lot of people to wa start watching the women's division and take it more seriously. I really don't have anyone to win this one right now, mainly because you don't know who's going to be in it. You can make predictor. So I predict, honestly, that either Ruby Riot or Tessa Blanchard is going to be making a debut during this. Possibly both. Possibly both. But as far as the winner, I can't really do it right now without knowing everyone that's involved because someone that I really want to be in there might not be in there. Who knows? It's hard to say. In the match that I'm least looking forward to, it is the former Big Show Paul White versus UT Marshall. This is essentially a comedy match for Big Show to be able to show that he's still got some chops in the ring. UT Marshall's gonna get absolutely fucking destroyed in this match, deservingly so or not. Paul White's gonna win easily. If this isn't a squash match, I'm gonna be disappointed because I don't think this match deserves anything above five minutes on the show. That's just my personal opinion. But if you enjoyed the big show, he's back in AEW mainly as a commentator, but he's getting his first real match coming up here at All Out. And again, like I've mentioned with Andrade, like I've mentioned with CM Punk, they're not gonna have Paul White lose his first match. So he's gonna win, and I can only hope it's a squash. And finally, the last match, which I am so fucking shocked is actually happening, it is Jon Moxley versus New Japan's Satoishi Kojima. Now, originally, Hiroshi Tanahashi was gonna be in this match, but due to the logistics of what's going on with the pandemic right now, that match is gonna be happening in the future, all things hopefully considered. But having Satoshi Kojima do this match? Oh, this, I am such a huge New Japan fan and I don't get to watch nearly enough because everything that I would be able to watch 
New Japan on is not available for what I have. I have a PlayStation 5. I have a Roku. Both of those things are not adaptable with New Japan World, so that really screws me over. There's Fight TV where you can catch up with the pay-per-views, but you really want to see the weekly show too, so that makes things hard. But yes, John Moxley works for both New Japan and AEW. It's funny because when Moxley's in AEW, he reminds me of when Norm McDonald was Burt Reynolds in Celebrity Jeopardy on Saturday Night Live. He just reminds me of Turd Ferguson, where it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm Turd Ferguson now. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. You know, he's just, he's got that very nonchalant thing going on, which is funny, but when you see him in the ring, killer, no filler. But when it comes to New Japan, he actually comes off as fucking scary. Well, as scary as you can get in professional wrestling. But, you know, it's just like, he's really got this psychotic mind that he really gets to show off more in New Japan. And seeing him go against a legend like Kojima, yeah, that that is just going to be another one. I think it's going to be another sleeper hit for the show. I don't think as many people are going to appreciate it as they should, mainly because New Japan is just like in the last few years starting to get that American appeal to it. But the more that New Japan starts to work with AEW, the more we'll get those big names from New Japan coming over and we're going to just have those jaw-dropping matches. And I think that's what's going to happen here with Moxley and Kojima, where Kojima is going to gracefully lose the match to Moxley. And it's going to be one hell of a match. And yeah, as far as everything that's going on right now, barring any injuries, barring any deaths, barring any reason that someone can't show up to the show, those are my predictions for AEW All Out coming out this Sunday, the day before Labor Day, exclusively on pay-per-view or on Fight TV, depending on where you live. If you're a wrestling fan, if you need a reason to get back into wrestling, if it used to be a part of your life and you want to see what's going on right now, I highly recommend spending the money to see this show. I can't imagine you're going to be disappointed by it. Every single match that's on the show, barring one, is why I watch AEW, and can't really think of a better card right now for everything that they're telling story-wise, so I think this is going to be an incredible show you should check out along with me. And we have now made it to the finale of the show. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show this week. It's one of the most mellow shows I've done. Again, like I mentioned with my interview with the 500, I've been very mellow over this past weekend, which is a very strange feeling for me, especially with someone with depression, anxiety, childhood trauma, suicidal tendencies, blah, 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 blah. But I've just been very calm. And speaking of that interview, thank you very much for checking that out. Listening to my talk with Mark Byrne of The 500, make sure to check out their new album, A World on Fire, available now through Long Branch Records. It's one of my favorite albums of the year. For some fucked up reason, Facebook will not let me like or follow the page, but of course I'm going to tell it and everything. Facebook is so weird lately, but speaking of that, on social media, make sure to check me out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and thatdrummerguy.com, where I'm almost at 800 interviews. Not too shabby for a little over 10 years. But for now, for the music, fans, and all of us, especially in the rock and metal world, why else would you be here? Let's get into the TDG soundtrack for 421, where you can check this out exclusively on Spotify. Now, you can either click the info description in this very episode and hit the Spotify link, or look up Josh Runquist on Spotify, and you'll find the TDG soundtracks for all the shows since the reboot. Now, let's get into it. Starting off the show this week, just because I have a fucked up sense of humor, starting off the show with Eyeball Gore from Iron Reagan. And that is off the album The Tyranny of Will. This song is always on the back of my mind when I think about uh, my eyes. How could it not? Come on, you listen to the beginning of the show, you know why it's on the playlist. Following that is The 500, with the song known as The Warmth, a song we talk about in particular in this interview. 
And of course, that is on the album A World on Fire. Following that, I have Probot with My Tortured Soul featuring Eric Wagner. That is on the self-titled Singular Release. I'd love to see a second Probot album. It's probably not going to happen. But because of that, it makes Probot with the titular album that much more special. Then, in something I completely and utterly forgot to talk about, Charlie Watts of the Rolling Stones passed away this past week as well. Completely slipped by my mind before I made the soundtrack for the show, which I don't do till after I'm done recording everything, and I get to this last bit. Totally forgot, but it might be because I'm not a particularly big Stones fan. Just not my bag, baby. But there are a few songs that I do thoroughly enjoy, and of course I had to pick their darkest song, Painted Black. Is it because it was on the Twisted Metal Black soundtrack? It was the only licensed song on that video game? Possibly. But it's also just a dark evil song, and how could you not appreciate that? And that of course is on the album Aftermath, which before that was always history. <laughs> That's a joke uh, uh, from Devin Townsend on the Strap Young Lad live DVD for those aboot to rock. They have a song called Aftermath, and he says, This next song is about my favorite subject in school, history, because it was always Aftermath. I know, I'm, I'm a silly fucker. Anyways, following that, I have the title track from the band of Iron Butterfly known as Indigata DeVita. And there's no way I'm cutting out that drum solo. You're getting the full 17 minute version of this song. You need to hear what it was all about and really experience that acid trip with hopefully not taking any acid. But just close your eyes, imagine you're in the mid 60s, and let that flower power and the thoughts of LSD and acid take over you. The colors will be there as long as you close your eyes, children. No need to actually do drugs, just pretend you're on them. Following that, I have five brand new songs. First of which being my favorite melodic mellow death band, Omnium Gatherum, with their new single Paragon, which is gonna be coming off their upcoming album, if this is any indication of what the album's gonna sound like, this will be one of my favorite albums of the year, no question. I love Omnium Gatherum so much. They do the perfect blend of melodic and death metal. And if you've never checked them out now, before, you're in for a treat now. In a similar kind of vein, but different enough, is the band Dawn of Solace with their brand new single, White Noise. Dawn of Solace is a side project of the mellow death band, Wolfheart, and that completely was brain fart for me, that almost never happens. But yes, this is much more in the Doom and, dare I say, hard rock varieties, especially with their last album, Waves. This features way more of the Doom Metal sense, and I mean that more in the Candlemass, not the sludgy Doom Death style. I mean that more in the all-clean vocal style doom metal, the traditional doom metal, but with enough modern feelings behind it that anyone of any age will truly appreciate it. Following that, it's not a new track, but if you follow Spotify, this is a brand new album from the band Boris and the song Temple of Hatred off the album No. Funny enough, this was one of my favorite albums of last year, but for some reason just showed up on Spotify back on Friday, so it's finally about time I can actually show off this album for what it is. If you're not familiar, with Boris, they are an experimental Japanese band where you have no idea what kind of album they wrote until you listen to it. They're, it's not like when you think of Slayer and you hear Thrash, it's not ACDC where you think classic rock. When you hear Boris, you don't know what direction they're going to be going in. It could be a post-rock album, it could be a noise album, it could be a J-pop album, like something that you would hear in an anime soundtrack. Or it could be like this one, which is easily the heaviest, most hardcore metal 
album that they've done. They've never fully embraced this style before, so I'm glad that they did on this particular album. And Temple of Hatred is a great song to be able to show that off. Following that, I have Crazy Licks with Anthem for America, which I cannot tell if it's right-wing propaganda or it is the greatest satire of American beliefs. I do not know. All I know is the song kicks ass. Crazy Licks is that perfect 80s throwback band. They don't need to be anything more. They don't need to be anything less. If you love that hairband style but just want it modern enough, Crazy Licks is the band to go to. And finally is a brand new discovery for me, a band known as 1914, which apparently they do most of their music based off of World War One, which completely makes sense. And they have a new song and album known as and the cross now marks his place. And that is actually featuring Nick Holmes of Bloodbath and Paradise Lost. Had no idea this combination happened. It's a great song and hopefully you'll feel the same way. And now finally, I'm gonna add one more song after Iron Reagan. And that's gonna be a song that I used to play in the show all the time. In fact, it used to close out my show if you go back all the way back in time. Uh, this is gonna be a special 11 track soundtrack and it's gonna be a Null Nathrak with the song forging towards the sunset. Why am I playing it after Iron Reagan? There's one particular reason. That is the very first band after I fucked up and deleted music from A through AM and then ever number zero through nine. Anul Nothrock is the first band that shows up where everything's completely fine. I didn't lose any files or anything. So I figured why not do a throwback on the show and make this a special live track soundtrack and throw in Anul Nothrock with forging towards the sunset, which is just what I'm about to do. One last time, thank you very much for tuning in. Hope to see you next week. And until next week, this is that drama guy saying, see ya.